welcome everyone back to another episode of the rob save sports podcast and we got another great episode for you guys today we are going to look at the nba and with the covid situation going on in the season we're also going to give you a nfl playoffs update i know we haven't talked about that a little bit and again at the end we are going to finish off with our college basketball prospect breakdown and so right now we're still getting in thing, into things with the NBA and you know it's something that you know you can't really escape it it's the COVID-19 situation there have been multiple games that have been canceled due to either contact tracing or players actually getting the virus contracting the virus like in Washington which they haven't played have postponed on a couple of games so far and have yet to played and it's it's to be honest it's a little troubling because in these situations you want to have the season going but obviously during this time you have a global pandemic right in front of you and how you're trying to maneuver your way throughout the season and you know you could expect stuff not to be perfect but to always make sure that you're careful and knowing exactly what's going on with the teams. And, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to control what player is going to do outside of either the training facility or the stadiums and like what they do in their personal lives. And we've already seen that with a couple of guys who, you know, are frustrated with the fact that the games their personal and their social lives are being affected with this COVID-19 virus. And honestly, it's been affecting everybody else, not just athletes, but it feels that there are some NBA players who are not prioritizing the safety of them, but also their teammates in general, because, you know, we've heard about the story with, George Hill and him saying that, you know, he's going to do whatever he wants. He's going to see the people who he wants to see. And, you know, the NBA can't really do anything about that, except if he does, you know, break those protocols that the NBA has in place. And it, to me, it feels a little bit, you know, selfish with him. And I'm pretty sure that he's not the only player to think that. I'm sure a handful of players think the same thing, but like you know really don't want to say anything because it just looks really bad considering the circumstances with them being able to play the season with the knowing the the risk involved in possibly contract contracting the virus and then really not knowing what the the side effects that will happen in the way way future but you know, I think this all has to be a collective thing that the NBA needs to do and the players need to do. And, you know, as far as games getting postponed and then with the possibility of the season getting postponed, I think it's very clear how important that being safe and following these protocols are to get the season done. And, you know, hopefully with the good news of vaccines coming along, you know, I don't expect athletes to be the first first in line to receive the vaccine. I think that would look incredibly bad and incredibly terrible for the league. And, 
you know, you would expect the possibility of getting the vaccines, I would say possibly in March. And I would think that if they're not going to have a all-star break or an all-star weekend, and if they extended it to about two weeks, you know, a bunch of players would be able to get the vaccine, the first dose and the second dose before you finish the second half of the season. And I feel like that's a pretty good idea that, you know, they should look into. I mean, you don't have to call me, but I'm just, I just thought that would be probably the best way for them to handle the situation that they have. But, you know, we're still getting games. We're still getting really good games. The last time we talked, we had a huge trade happening with the Brooklyn Nets and the Houston Rockets with James Harden playing, being traded to the Brooklyn Nets from the Houston Rockets. And with a third team getting involved with the Cavs, and so you have James Harden going to Brooklyn to team up with KD and Kyrie Irving. And the Rockets getting Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers. And the Cavs getting Jared Allen and Terry on Prince. So you, there was a bunch of movement with that trade. And it seems like James Harden, in the end, got where he wanted to go, which was in Brooklyn to play with Katie and Kyrie Irving. And at first glance, you know, people would say, oh, this team is a lock to get to NBA Finals. And I think that's that's not in the realm of possibility. I mean, you have three of the top, what, 15 NBA players on your, on your team. Like, if you don't get too far in the playoffs with regards to any injuries or anything bad happening, I mean, you should be looking at a possible Easter Conference or especially Finals team down the road and not depending on who else is on that team. Because if you look at it, you know, it, it really hurts their depth at this point with Harden, Katie, and, Ir- and Kyrie Irving. And really, if you look at the roster, it's pretty pretty thin if you look at a possible eight-man rotation throughout the season. But obviously, with the talent of those three, you would expect them to perform well in the regular season. And I think it's all going to depend on how they perform in the playoffs to really show if this trade was worth it or not and you know the skill level of all those three guys you can't argue that they have the talent offensively to be a very good good uh, regular season team but also a playoff team because when those playoff games get tight and those playoff games are close and if you have a game plan and it's not working you know, you can just give it to one of those guys and they can go get you a basket. And that's something that you really need in the playoffs when things aren't as smooth and effective as usual in the regular season. 
because right now the Nets are fifth in their conference right now at nine and six. They did beat the Bucks a couple days ago, which was a pretty exciting game. It was a two-point game. The Bucks had the lead with about 15 seconds left, and then Harden got an offensive rebound, and Katie hit pop the game-winning three, and the Nets were able to survive against the Bucks. You know, you talk about the Bucks being a top contender as well, and if those two meet up in the playoffs, I think that would be a very exciting seven-game series. The only thing that I have for the Nets is with Harden, Katie, and Kyrie, all those three are the most effective with the ball in their hands. So when you're looking to see how they're going to manufacture offense, whether it's Harden taking his turn, Katie taking her turn, Kyrie taking his turn, it becomes almost like way too much isolation heavy with all those three guys. And we haven't seen them played yet because Kyrie Irving has still been on uh, NBA protocol with uh, COVID-19 contact tracing. And so we really haven't seen yet what it all looks like together. So it'll be interesting to look at that and see how it all comes together when all three guys are available. And so for another team that we can look at, we are going to look at the Atlanta Hawks because, you know, during this offseason, they really tried to accelerate their goals as a winning franchise, you know, signing guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari, making sure that these guys have you know, veteran guys on the team to help with the young core of Trey Young and John Collins. And also Clint Capella, who came from the Rockets, you know, a big efficient center. And, you know, at the start of the season, it looked really good. They were forward one during the beginning of the season, but now they've kind of slipped and they've lost five out of their seven. And if you look at the teams that they played in the beginning of the season, you know, they weren't really great teams to begin with anyway. So you could see, you could feel like some of those games were hard to evaluate how good this team really is. And now with them playing much better competition, you could feel like there is some stuff that still needs to be figured out, especially with, you know, with the two guys that I said, Bogdanovich and Gallinari, you know, they both haven't really played that much due to injury. And so, you know, those are two, two really main guys that you were hoping on getting a lot of production out of and when you don't have those two guys who are potentially two starters on your roster you know it's going to be a struggle and we're seeing it throughout the whole team and especially with uh, Trey Young you know their high volume scorer high playmaker 
and he's entering his third season right now and his overall production has dipped really a lot since last season but that's also due to the fact that he's got more pieces on his team he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands a hundred percent at a time but at the same time you know he's getting less shots uh this season but he's making them at a lower clip and a pretty bad percentage right now him shooting about 38 percent from the field and 27 percent from three you know when you have a guy that's as small as him and you're not shooting as effective as you probably need to be you know the team that he has around him is going to struggle a little bit you know he's still assisting at a high rate but still turning the ball over a lot you know he's still probably one of the worst uh, guard defenders in the league and you have that combination of bad or not great production on the offense and really poor defense production you're this that's not going to be a recipe for success and you know we're seeing a little bit of the cracks with this team when an article from the athletic came out maybe last month where it talked about guys on the team that are questioning whether Trey Young is trying to do too much to get his production up more or doing the necessary things to get the wins and you know that might be sacrificing more shots to get other guys more shots that probably need those shots and being a much better leader because from what we saw in the article that there are a lot of players questioning his leadership for to be a franchise player and you know that's a big step for a guy who's only 22 years old who's been in the league for three years and once he first got into the league his main uh, objective was to just play on a on a very bad team and get numbers and get very good numbers during that time but now when the franchise is trying to be a winning franchise again and there's more pressure on you to succeed rather than getting uh increasing your production you know you're gonna have some teammates that are gonna you know kind of question whether or not do you really want to win or do you just want to score a lot of points on a very bad team and it's something that probably he needs to work on and the Hawks need to work on because you know their offense is still really good and going into it it's the defense that really has been hurting them throughout this time so that's something that they probably need to work on and then also making sure that everyone gets healthy gets back healthy and have a complete team to work with and you know resolving those team chemistry issues that there seem to be having over there and right now they are in the eighth spot in the Easter conference and so with a healthy roster I would expect them to be a much better team than we've seen so far and I think with the signings of 
a lot of free agents uh, this past offseason, I think a lot of people were expecting a lot from this team. And for Trey Young to also take another jump in his abilities, but it seemed to have not progressed, but even has been worse or has gotten worse uh, this season than last season. So, you know, they're still a young team that needs to clear up a lot of issues. And I would think that they would probably get into the playoffs, maybe in the bottom of the conference in like the eighth spot, possibly do have a play-in, be in the play-in. But, you know, this is still a young team and they still have so many young pieces on that team that I would expect them to kind of right the ship because, you know, it's... It's not good to lose and continue to lose and then try to expect, you know, it's good. You know, it's all fine to be a team that can just have it be a fun team and be exciting team. But to make, to take that next step, you have to find a way to win games on a consistent level to compete with the top teams in your conference. So it's still going to be a team to watch. It's still going to be a very exciting team. You wonder if there may be too much talent on this team that needs the playing time. So they could be possibly looking at trading more of the young guys to maybe get some more veterans on their team. But I think all in all, I think Trey Young has to be the difference maker and how far this team will go this season. And also another young team that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Cavs. You know, the Cavaliers have really been, you, you could say, like one of the worst teams in the NBA for the past couple years. But so far, they've come out and really have improved a lot with the development of the young guys, the improvement of certain players like Larry Nance and Colin Sexton, and being a new head coach, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, really getting a chance to be a full-time head coach. And you could tell like how much better that this team is. You could see with, you know, they're the second-rate defense in the league right now. And it's a little surprising because when you have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as your two guards who are are probably a little undersized for guards, but I think it's the role players, especially around them, that have proven to be very good defenders and very good for this team as far as you know the rookie that they got Isaac Okoro from Auburn you know he's been a very good defensive player as expected in his rookie season and Larry Dance who has become a very very valuable piece for this team you know doing a little bit of everything as far as scoring uh, shooting from the outside, rebounding, uh, defense, and assisting, really being 
an all-around good player for this team. And you could also talk about Andre Drummond, who, you know, was traded from Detroit to the Cavs. And, you know, he had an option to either pick up his team option or to test for agency. And with the competition, with the upcoming offseason, you could really see how much the center position is not as valued as it probably used to be before. So, you know, he took his team option and he's taking a chance on himself. And quite frankly, he's really proven to be, you know, a very solid center in this league, averaging about 19 points and almost 16 boards a game. Like, that's something that I think a lot of teams would want. You would probably want him to shoot better than 47% from the field when I would assume like most of his shots are right in the paint, but he's still a very valuable player that I think someone would want on their team. And I would expect him to probably not get as big of a contract as he probably would want or he would get maybe a couple years ago, a decent contract for a center who can defend really well and rebound. Yeah, and you know, we could also talk about the trade that they made also. The teams with the Nets and the Rockets, you know, they were able to get a really good young piece in Jared Allen. You know, another young center who's a great defender, great rebounder, great finisher. And from the looks of it, you could you could tell that the Cavs are probably going to go in a different direction with the Drummond, and it looks very likely that they are not going to sign Drummond uh, this upcoming offseason with the acquisition of Jared Allen. And still going about the Cavs, you know, we got to talk about their uh, backcourt because it seems like people haven't been talking about them that much this season you know granted they've had a couple injuries already to start the season which isn't a good sign but you know when they have played you know Colin Sexton and Darius Garland have been very good to start this season you know I really like Colin Sexton when he was come out of college uh out of Alabama you know I kind of wanted the Clippers to draft him during that year when he was in the NBA draft and so far he's played about half of the games so far this season but he's averaging 25 points a game shooting a very good 53% from the field and like 51% from three you know when if he comes back I don't expect those percentages to stay that way but you could tell his development has steadily improved every single year he's been in the league and that's a good sign for a young guard you know being able to increase his usage but then also increase his effectiveness on the offense and being you know a much better defender also so he is a young guard that really has looked very well and very good for this team. And I think the Cavs have a lot to look forward to in 
Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as their backcourt. And one more team that we're going to talk about is the Golden State Warriors. You know, the the Warriors have had a great run the past five seasons, winning three championships during that span. And have kind of got into a crossroads right now with, you know, the injury with Clay Thompson uh, last season, having to have him sit out, but then also losing him again to a different leg injury, which is not a very good sign, especially with them, you know, getting older and older in their careers. And so you wondered if this team was going to be the same as last year where they just don't have enough pieces to compete at a high level every single game. And, you know, we saw that last year with they didn't have Steph, Clay, or Draymond really for the entire season. And, you know, they played into getting the second pick in the draft, which is James Wiseman, which we can go off about him a little bit. Him being a top three pick, and really not really playing that much in college. I think he only played like three games, but he showed the type of versatility that you probably would like to see in a big in the modern NBA. He's very agile. He's extremely mobile, and he's already shown the potential to shoot from three. Right now he's shooting about 48%, like taking about one a game, but it's something that you can build upon and look forward to you know obviously he's a rookie coming in and trying to learn from a championship level coach with Steve Kerr and championship level players with Draymond and Steph so I couldn't really see him as being in a better team right now where he where he doesn't have to be the focal point of the team and he could learn to be a really good player and we're seeing that and you know I could see him being a very valuable piece to the Warriors and once they're fully healthy because I, I still think that if all the players in that team were fully healthy that they would have a very good chance of competing for a top spot in the NBA because it, cause it just feels like they have to rely on the other guys that they have on that team and it just doesn't feel like those role players can be consistent enough for you to compete to be in the top four of the conference, you know, because with the role players not playing to the level that they need to be, you know, Steph has got to do pretty much everything for them and being a highly efficient uh, scorer for them to even have a chance to win these games and you know it's showing right now he's not he's scoring like 28 points a game but shooting a career low in three pointers shooting at 36 percent and it feels like he's gonna have to score at least 30 a game for the team to have a legitimate chance every game and i still think they probably have a good shot at making the playoffs if 
I were in the top in the higher seeds, I probably would would not want to play them in the playoffs in the first round. It seems like it would be a very tough matchup for any team on the top in the top of the standing so far. But we shall see. And just like that, we are here again as far as last season goes. The Lakers and Clippers atop in their Western Conference. The Lakers with 11-4 and the Clippers 10-4. A game, a half game behind them. And also the Jazz also with a record of 10-4. They are a game, a half game behind the top-seeded Lakers. And, you know, we could talk about you talk a little bit, but they've been a very, a really good team, you know, so far in the beginning of the season, even with really the same team from last season, they really didn't make that many big moves as far as changing up the roster, but they've been playing extremely well. And to talk about the Clippers, you know, we're going to talk about how they've been playing. They've been playing extremely well the past couple weeks you know they've had a couple stumbles here and there but they feel like they are really rounding up into shape right now they have had some uh, injuries a little bit of injuries during the start of the season with uh, Lou and then Pat Bev going in and out Serge coming in and out uh, Marcus Morris finally coming back so far these so far the team is playing extremely well they've been passing the ball really well there's been a lot of great ball movement that i've seen so far the defense still needs to improve as far as what we've seen so far but with the players that they have on this team i would expect them to at least be in the top 10 in defensive rating because their offense has been pretty much as efficient as you would want it to be you know Kawhi and PG shooting around this almost the same percentage shooting about 24 averaging 24 points per game shooting around 50 percent from the field with Paul George shooting 50 percent from three and Kawhi shooting 43 percent from three both uh, career highs And then also both career highs and assists with Paul George averaging five and Kawhi averaging almost six. And, you know, you know, say what you can say with Ty Lue, the new head coach, replacing Doc Rivers. There just seems to be a lot more understanding of running, (laughs) pretty much running an offense at this point where, you know, there are still some isolation opportunities but you know with how talented Paul George and Kawhi are you're going to have some of those things you're going to have some of those opportunities throughout the games but you don't want to have that to be your go-to attack on offense to just give guys isolation plays over and over again you know it's a cliche saying when the ball moves the ball will find open players and open players are going to make shots and we're seeing it a lot here and 
it's a weird thing that I keep seeing with other uh, outlets saying that the Clippers still need a point guard, which I completely disagree with that. They might not have that traditional point guard that that a team has who can facilitate the offense, but when you have Kawhi and PG who are very good uh, ball handlers and who have been put into a position to be more of a playmaker uh, this season with the both of them, I don't see where trying to acquire a point guard to take those possessions away from them that could really... I don't see how that would help the team, especially when you have to make a trade and lose the depth that they already have at this point. You know, you could probably look at stuff to fill some spots that they're missing. I still think that they probably should look at some wing depth as far as a defensive wing for them to come off the bench. But as far as the start of the season... You know, I was assuming that this team was going to struggle maybe a little bit to find how this team is going to play together under a new head coach and if it was going to feel any different or the same. But it's it's looked a lot better just by the eye tests. You know, the stats might show the same thing, but if you're not watching these games on a regular basis, then you're not going to really find, you know, those little details of those extra passes that lead to that lead to a good shot but then lead to a great shot and you know they're finding the open guys and they're making them and with them having the number one uh, three-point percentage at 43 percent in a league where three-point percentage and three-point makes are very valuable for the NBA for NBA teams you know this team may not be taking the most but they are shooting an effective the most effective at this rate and you know they might not shoot as well as they are right now but the sh- the players that they have on this team the type of shooters that they have on this team I would expect them to still be a top 3 point shooting team and that is a very good tool to have at this point of the season and to go with a little bit of the media stuff that's been happening, there has been some rumblings with uh, NBA athletes and their dads giving their two cents about the teams that they're on. And, you know, especially what's been happening recently with the Kings and Marvin Bagley's dad, who honestly is not helping his son be in a position to make the kind of demands that he's asking, which he's essentially asking for a trade to trade for the Kings to trade him to another team. And, you know, he had a slow start to the season trying to figure out how the team would best use him on the court. And to be honest, it's hard for them to know what he's capable of when he's hasn't been on the court. You know, he only played 13 games last season. And, you know, he's been healthy through this season. But 
him being always hurt and has had had to rest some amount of games every year in his early career you could see how the team is really unable to figure out the best way to use him in to use him for the team and you know he can be frustrated you know he could be frustrated with the situation but I don't think having your dad come out and demand a trade is somehow gonna help the situation you're in because honestly it just feels a little a little embarrassing that you have your dad try to make demands for an NBA franchise and how unprofessional it is for family members to get involved situations that aren't affecting them personally and I feel like they're not understanding what that could do to the team as a whole and also to the kid you know especially still a young kid in this league he's only 21 and him and you know the players see that his teammates see that and they are you know with him the whole time during the games and then post post game and then after the game and doing being around each other the whole time and you don't need any more distractions right now especially if you're the kings right now who really again got off to a great start but then have slowly gotten worse and worse and see themselves on the bottom of the conference again and it's something that they have been in for a long long time they haven't made the playoffs in over 10 years and this kind of this kind of drama that that's coming out of that team is something that is not helping the team at all and it's probably hurting the team as a whole that they have to deal with people asking questions about someone's dad talking about how his son is not being used correctly on the team and it feels like it's doing more harm than good and you know we've seen this before with the other well-known uh, parent in the NBA with LeVar Ball and how he's gone about things the past couple seasons with his sons and really it could only for me it looks like it can only do more harm than good at this point and so right now that's going to be it for all the NBA stuff that we're going to talk about and we'll go into a little bit of the NFL playoffs I know we haven't talked about uh, NFL in a while you know we had the Rams lose to the Packers in the divisional game which you know was understandable the Packers were the better team the Rams had a couple guys key guys that weren't 100% and you know there's going to be a lot of interesting discussions as far as offseason moves for the Rams you know whether or not the biggest thing probably going into the offseason is whether whether or not to move on with Jared Goff or to keep him 
because it sounded it sounded like the relationship with uh, McVeigh and Jared Goff has slowly declined and has gotten to you know a, maybe a point where they're not on the best of terms. So you wonder during the off season if they are looking that are going to be looking into a different direction. <laughs> In my opinion, I think if the Rams were somehow to get Deshaun Watson, I think that puts the Rams back into, you know, Super Bowl contention. But I find that very unlikely for that to happen. But, you know, there's always hope. Houston has not handled the Deshaun Watson situation very well, and you can clearly see that he wants to leave. So Rams, if you can get him, you I think you need to go get him at this point because I think he would be a great fit for the Rams. And so with this weekend coming up, we have two games going on. We got the Buccaneers and the Packers and the Bills and the Chiefs. And so I think what I'm looking at as a Super Bowl matchup, I think the best exciting matchup would probably be the Packers and Chiefs. And I think with these two games, I still feel the Packers will probably beat the Buccaneers and the Chiefs will probably beat the Bills. And I think the defense of both the Buccaneers and the Bills will give the Packers and the Chiefs pretty good competition. I think it's going to be a very close game. But overall, I think the type of quarterback play that you're going to get, if I would to bet on these games, I would bet on the two best quarterbacks winning. And as far as I, as far as I know, the two best quarterbacks in those games for the Buccaneers and the Packers is Aaron Rodgers. And the best quarterback between the Bills and the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. So I have a feeling we're going to see a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl, which I think, in my opinion, would be a very exciting and very a high-rated Super Bowl for this year. And again, the last bit of stuff that we're going to do, NCAA men's basketball breakdown with another guy. We got Ayo Donsunmu. The 6'5 guard from Illinois. He's averaging about 22 points a game, six rebounds, five assists, shooting about 50% from the field, 38% from three, 81% for the free throw line. And, you know, this guy is an interesting prospect. He's in his junior season, but every single year he has elevated his play from freshman year to sophomore year to junior year and he's not only increased his usage rate and really being the leader on the team he's been even more effective as a scorer but also a playmaker the defense has maybe dropped off a little bit but you know I think that that could be that could be looked at as he's given a lot more responsibility on the offense. So the defense is going to go down a little bit. But as far as I've seen, you know, he's not a crazy explosive athlete, but he has great change of speed that allow to 
get his defenders off balance and finish at the rim. And he's got a nice shooting stroke from three. He's shooting about, as I said, 38% from three and 81% uh, from the free throw line, which is a very good sign as a shooter shooting that well from the free throw line and getting that many attempts. Translating free throw percentage to three-point percentage from college to the NBA is a good sign, and he has the skills to be a very good guard in this league. You know, he has all the tools to be a great defender. He's a solid rebounder for a guard, and he's been given a lot of playmaking abilities, and he's been showing that he can be, you know, those one of those combo guards that teams are looking for. And with this team ranked, you would imagine that this team would get into March Madness and get into the tournament, which probably will help this draft stock right now. Because I think right now he's just below the lottery as far as where he would go. I think he'll probably stay around that spot. You know, he's still a junior, so for some reason, look down at that, him staying for three years, but then also getting better every single year and he could be a very valuable late lottery and late first round pick and you know some things he still needs to work on he work he needs to work on better finishing around the rim uh better probably more tight ball handling he does kind of play a little bit loose with the ball but you know he is someone also to to look at and someone that could be you know not just a good starter in the NBA but could be a really good player if he continues to improve at this rate and so again Ayo Donsumu from Illinois I think you're going to hear a lot about him in the tournament and I think that he's going to get his name called in the NBA draft and so with that Thanks, everybody, for listening again to the podcast. If you can, share the podcast. Uh, leave a five-star on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast. And we will see you next time on the Rob Save Sports Podcast. Podcast.